everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies, as we do every week. The first part of that involves getting stoned. So let's get to that part of it before we get to the 30 days of night, which it definitely is not outside. It's no, a, it is not. It's kind of a nice day. I'll take it, man. It's not, not like overly bright, but... I'll take it in comparison. Yeah. So... As for our green hits, Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today? Nice. So for our active listeners, it shouldn't be a surprise that we like to frequent flower. So I did stop by there, picked up a single joint of the mango mentality, right? So with that oh, being said. Oh, looks like you're going to be explaining uh, for both of us then. All right. So with that being said, we both <laughs> brought over <laughs> mango mentality. And this one over at flower, as far as like your total um, cannabinoids and all that good stuff, it's... 29.2%. Total terpenes are right about 0.88%. Not very high, but decent. The most dominant terpenes in this profile are going to be your pinene and your myrcene. A little bit of linalool, humulene, and karyophyllene. Not a lot, just a little trace, you know, mm-hmm. elements here and there. But with that being said, this is the cross that was created with the mouth-watering gushments and mango hay strains. Right? With that being said, the flavors on this, you're going to get those citrus notes. Some of those flowery and fruity mango tastes, along with a little bit of sour and peppery notes. And the aromas are roughly the same. Now, this one, it is a sativa-dominant hybrid, you know, depending on who you get it from. But the effects shouldn't be a surprise. This one's kind of an uplifter, you know, make you feel giggly, all that good stuff. Yeah, I got over there, and I was like, I don't know if I've seen this strain before. I'm going to pick up a six-pack, especially because I'm behind, like, six people in line, and I don't know how much is going to be left. (laughs) a solid point and these go fast like i've seen them in there several times but they always sell fast mm-hmm. that was wild i woke up a little bit earlier than normal this morning get down there and be nice. like i gotta kind of get a start to my day and i, I got down there and people. i'm like yeah yo i was sitting there waiting in line a couple of them knew each other so they were trying to like talk back and forth in line i'm like motherfuckers keep going <laughs> do that shit outside <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was about to say, and I brought you, but I I just explained. We both had mango mentality. (laughs) It's just I've already been hitting the mentality. So with that in mind, we'd just like to remind everybody of the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms at the lowest level. You'd listen to this last week. Mid-level, you get the Patreon-exclusive episodes, which have so far been our look-backs, as well as things such as our hot take on Evil Dead Rise, yeah, that's a freshie. <clears throat> that's a freshie. And whenever we do those things, they, of course, will be going up on there. And that's for our mid-tier and top-tier. You get access to the Discord. You could be bullshitting with us yeah, right now. Yeah, boys. Hitting us up, saying, hey, go check that out. Friedsquirms.com. I mean, not f- patreon.com slash friedsquirms. There is a friedsquirms.com, but that's not going to help <laughs> you. Not in this case, right? I mean, there is. there should be a link on there. So you could probably still get to our <laughs> Patreon, but... If there isn't a link on there, it's because I have been neglecting the website. <laughs> it happens. Because nobody uses websites. When's the last time you really used a website for a podcast? That's a solid point. Sorry, everybody who uses the website. <laughs> That's my bad. Anyway, with that, I think we should probably move on into the guts and bolts of 30 Days of Night. Guts and Bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Spoiler-free to start off and start you all with the spoiler-free setup for this movie in case you don't know what a 30 Days of Night is. This movie, Barrow, Alaska gets 30 Days of Night. 
Guess what kind of things like the night? Vampires. <laughs> yeah. No surprise there, eh? Based off the graphic novel. Yeah. That's a set, right? That's all you need for a spoiler-free setup? I think so. I think that hits the nail. Vampires like bread. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. So, of course, from week to week, we do like to talk about our cast and crew. This week, we have director David Slade, and he's got some really cool films and, surprisingly, some really cool music videos to note. So, a few of the films of note from Mr. Slade is Hard Candy, highly recommended. It's a good film. He's also part of the Twilight Saga team. He helped direct the Eclipse film. He's also a part of the Nightmare Cinema anthology, and he directed the segment This Way to Egress. And he also directed Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which is really mm. neat. Now, a few music videos. I did want to mention this. I still haven't done the Bandersnatch. Have you done the Bandersnatch? I haven't done the Bandersnatch. It seems cool. I'm just like, I'm so far behind on other shit. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> need a Choose Your Own Adventure TV show, but like. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Don't get me it's wrong. It's cool. I mean, it was all the, you know, the hot press when it came out, so that's cool. A few music videos of note I wanted to bring up is uh, he directed Stone Temple Pilot Sour Girl. Oh, shit. Which okay. had Sarah Michelle Geller, who mm-hmm. we've talked about before. And the evil right? Teletubbies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also directed Stereophonics, Mr. Ryder, which is a band I listen to. He's done one, two, three, four of Muses songs. Oh, shit. He did Newborn, Bliss, Hyper Music, and Feeling Good. He's directed a Tori Amos song, System of a Down's Aerials, oh, which okay. is fucking dope. Star Sailor's Poor Misguided Fool and Turin Breaks Painkiller, who, like, all those bands I've listed, I've listened to, so it's really cool. All right, moving forward, we've got writers. There's a few of them, but we've got Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith, who actually is the illustrator right right yeah yeah and as far as like screenplay goes steve niles is a part of that Stuart Beatty and brian nelson so i'm going to start with steve niles he's got a couple of cool credits he did fear itself which was the third season i guess if you want to call it that of masters of horror right right it went to nbc but he did the segment new year's day that was back in 2008 and now Stuart Beatty. This guy, I believe he wrote the original script for it, and then I think it got reworked Mm, later by the guy I'm about to bring up here in a second. So that's what I say. There's a few names on this. But Stuart Beatty, like I said, he's got some cool stuff. He helped write the screenplay for Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, and all those films subsequently, the characters were based off that original idea. Right. Right. And he also wrote Collateral which was that Tom Cruise movie, pretty decent. He also did G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, which is really neat. I, Frankenstein, I know we brought up because of, I think his name is Kevin Review, mm-hmm. like something like that. Yeah, we talked about him last week on Underworld. So yeah, really cool stuff there, all right? And I also mentioned Brian Nelson, who helped on Heart Candy, the film Devil, and eleven twenty two sixty three, which was a television series, Starring, I actually watched it because it was um, a Stephen King novel. Right. Yeah, that got turned into a TV series, but it had James Franco in it. It's pretty decent, man. It's not bad. Deals a little bit with time travel and shit. All right, cinematographer on this is Joe Willems. Another guy's got some really cool film credits of note. So a few things I want to bring up from him. Shouldn't be a surprise. He helped with Hard Candy. He also helped on The Hunger Games, which was Catching Fire, both parts of Mockingjay. He helped on Red Sparrow. Shouldn't be a surprise. They helped on Nightmare Cinema, the This Way to Egress segment. All right, we've got editor Art Jones. Like I said, another one of those guys got some pretty cool stuff. He helped on a couple of music videos like uh, Teenage Fan Club. 
He also uh, edited Maloko's Forevermore, AFI's Girls oh. Not Gray. Yeah, Keen's Everybody's Changing, which is really neat. So got his hand mm. in some music videos. Want to guess a film? Heart candy? <laughs> <laughs> right? No, he helped on uh, Adele's Rolling in the Deep, which is really neat. Oh, Lana Del Rey's Blue Velvet. One episode of Hannibal, which was the very first episode, which perk your ears up a little bit because there's going to be a few people that okay. were on Hannibal. I also helped on an episode of American Gods back in 2017. Mm. So, yeah, some cool credits there as well. All right, we've got another name. Speaking of Hannibal, we talked about this guy way back in the day, but I'm talking about Brian Reitzel. He helped compose the music for this. And we talked about him on all three seasons because he composed the music for all three seasons mm -hmm. of Hannibal, right? And a couple things outside of Hannibal. He helped on uh, Friday Night Lights, which is really neat. He helped on such things as like uh, Shrink, Peacock, Red Riding Hood. Uh, he's also helped on Watch Dogs, which is a video game. This is really neat. Uh, I did mention American Gods. He did that for eight episodes. Black Mirror, Dark Harvest, so some cool stuff there. All right, we've got uh, special effects team. There's a slew of them, kind of like the last two weeks because different international groups on this. Mm -hmm. This was also shot in New Zealand, so here we go. All right, production company on this are Columbia Pictures, Ghost House Pictures, and Dark Horse Entertainment. Sony Pictures releasing help with the distribution back on 2008 for the United States Blu-ray and DVD release. Had a couple of uh, release dates. We've got October 16th, 2007. It had a premiere over at the Scream Fest Horror Film Festival, which is really neat. October 19th, 2007 here in the States. Had an estimated budget of about $30 million. Made about $75.5 million worldwide. Mm -hmm. And the tagline I've got is, they're coming. <laughs> which... Okay. I'm like, ah, that could be for a number of genres. <laughs> yes, it could. Yes, mm -hmm. it could. All right, so moving into our cast. If you look on the database or if you go on the wiki, there is a ton of people. But I was like, let me narrow it down to the people that have got some interesting credits and people that are kind of a little bit more in the forefront in this film, right? So I'm going to lead off with Josh Hartnett. He plays the role of Eben Olison. We talked about him way back on episode 193 when we talked about The Faculty, another one of those cool films. A few things of note from Josh. Let's see here, because I don't want to get Halloween H2O. That was, yeah, I mean, he got nominated for a bunch of awards for that, right? And it's also his feature film debut. Which is wild. Good on him. The Virgin Suicides, Black Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor, another one of those numbered films, 40 Days and 40 Nights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is really cool. You know, actually, a few films I do like from him, man, to be honest. He was in The Black Dahlia. He's pretty good in that. He was in Lucky Number Seven. Lucky Number, yeah. Lucky Number Seven is great. He's got that the opening sequence of Sin City. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. As far as television, I hate the way it ended, but I will say this. As far as his character on this show, Penny Dreadful, mm -hmm. he played Ethan Chandler, which Lawrence Talbot, the Wolfman. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was really good, man. Like, he did a really good job of that. And it looks like he's got a to-be-announced episode on Black Mirror coming up this year. Oh, good for him. Yeah, exactly. I heard that was coming back. It's cool. Yeah, all right. We've got Melissa George plays Stella Olson in this. A few films to note from her. She was in a film I still love to this day, and that's Dark City, right? She was in Mulholland Drive. She was also in the Amityville Horror she was a part of the film Teristas. She was a part of the 1993 through 1996 television show Home and Away. 
She was also an alias from 2003 through 2004, and she was a part of Grey's Anatomy television show from 2008 through 2009. All right, we've got Danny Houston plays a role of Marlowe, right? This guy's got some really cool credits and all that good stuff. So when you look at film, I mean, he kind of goes back a little bit, but let's see. I want to get into some some heavier, like beefier ones. Film I like is called 21 Grams, pretty heavy film. Uh, He was in The Aviator. Some people might have seen him in, let's see here, the number 23, which is another decent mm-hmm. film. Yeah, X-Men's Origins, Wolverine, which is really neat. Clash of the Titans, he played Poseidon. He was in The Conspirator, Wrath of the Titans, once again. Justice League, he did the voice of Sam Lane, the Flashpoint Paradox film. Yeah, he was in Frankenstein, where he played Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, and some other cool stuff. Um, another thing I watched him in, actually, that... I thought he did a really good job. He was in two seasons of American Horror Story. He was in the Coven. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yep. Co- it's pronounced Coven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And he was also in Freak Show. But uh, those two seasons are actually pretty decent, man. I will have to say that. And he did a really good job. All right. Another really cool actor in this. We've got Ben Foster plays The Stranger. I'm trying to think where do I want to start with him because he's been in a lot of cool films, man. 310 to Yuma. Yeah, he was in Alpha Alpha Dogs, another one. He was in the uh, X-Men Last Stand. Yeah, he was Angel. Yep. Let's see here. Uh, Pandorum actually is a pretty decent film. Let's see here. uh, The Punisher with Thomas Jane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. He was the kid that had all the face piercings that gets ripped out. That's wild. Yeah, he's been in some really cool stuff, man. Yeah, Hell or High Water. He's been nominated for a ton of Critics' Choice Awards for that. Yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, like I said, he's been in some really cool stuff, man. Lots of television as well. Voiced a lot. He was in Six Feet Under. I do have to mention that, man, because he dated Claire on that show, mm. which is like one of the main characters for uh, three seasons, man. I I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. <laughs> All right. Another guy. I think I mentioned well, this Well, that and you. just another Brian Fuller. Oh, yeah. I mean. Connection. Makes total sense. Melissa right? George. Ben Foster, all those people on the crew. There you go. Because you mentioned like that, the one, the dude had the season or the episode of American Gods. That was yeah. Brian Fuller. That's like, yeah, no, that makes, makes sense. Got fingerprints all over this. We've talked about this gentleman before. I'm talking about Mark Boone Jr. Bobby Elvis. Yeah, man. Plays the role of, it's not pronounced Bew, Patrick. It's Cole. It's <laughs> Bo. <laughs> Bo Brower, right? I did hear that Bo is Afraid is worth the three hours. I did too. I mean, eventually. Eventually I will see it. But I'm like, ah, it's also three hours. <laughs> you know? All right. Two things of note. We've actually talked about Mark Moon before is on episode 33, we talked about John Carpenter's Vampires. And we also talked about him briefly. He was in American Satan back on episode 146. I'm going to hold off. Just because you mentioned vampires, I'm going to mention this. But I'm going to hold off till we hit our look back. Because okay, it's yeah. going to be coming up. Okay, it's still a ways off. But it's going to be coming up, right, when we get mm. to vampires. Exactly. I read the book. Oh, nice. Fuck yeah. So you have a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. I like that. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of his, his works here. And I'm like, dude, where do you want to start? Because he's on television Tons of film. I still know what you did last summer. He's oh, a right. pawn shop owner. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. I mean, Sons of Anarchy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's a big bad one. Robert Munson, Bobby Elvis. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know, man. There's so much stuff. He was in Halloween 2. That's really cool. That's Rob Zombies for those, you know, need to know. Yeah, no, he's still doing a lot of stuff. So 
Uh, good on him. All right, we've got a few other actors and actresses, and that'll round out our cast and crew. I've got Mark Rendell, plays the role of Jake Olison, right, the brother of Josh Hartnett's character. He was actually, <laughs> right, a detective in Hannibal yeah, season but, one. Yeah, but I'm looking at the fact that he was television bastion. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm definitely getting that. I'm fucking, I just noticed that, and I'm yeah. laughing my fucking... Tells from the never-ending story, right? Which was broken up as a, like a TV movie, if I'm not mistaken, it's in not certain like parts. That. Yeah, and he also voiced Arthur, which the cartoon Arthur, right, from 2002 through 2003 for like 40 episodes or some shit. Wow! So another I one mean, of those voice actors that are like, okay, you got Thomas. Considering the how many episodes there are of that show, he didn't do it for long. But still, but he still did it for a long ass. That's time. That's a season at least, yeah. right? I mean, I, I think it was it two for, seasons. Yeah. Still, I mean, yeah. Pay me shit. All right, we've got Manu Bennett. He plays the role of Deputy Billy Kitka, Crixus and Spartacus. That's all I need to know. Like, yeah. Uh, and he's a uh, Slade, uh, Deathstroke in the Arrowverse. Right. I've yeah. got those two. Right. He was also part of the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, he yeah, plays Azog. Right. And he's also part of um, the Shannara Chronicles. Yeah, Chronicles. I don't know why I can't say that. I never did watch those because I never did read the books. Yeah, I was I like, started oh, reading them once, and I was like, meh. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, you know, good on him. He's he's doing these parts, but. <clears throat> I mean, as far as, like, fantasy novels go, though, like, Shannara's kind of legendary, so, like, good yeah. on him for landing the part. Yeah, for sure. I think, like, the hardcore fans of the books weren't happy with the show, but I know that the show has, like, its own fan following, so, like, good on him for yeah, that, too. exactly. So. so be it. All right, we've got two other people. I've got Joel Tobeck, plays the role of Doug Hertz. A few things of note from him. He was in Eagle vs. Shark. He was in Ghost Rider. He was also part of Sons of Anarchy, where he played Donnie back in 2010. And he was also in Ash vs. Evil Dead as Ball. Oh, back in 2016. Oh no. I think I remember which character Donnie is. He doesn't, so it's a recurring role. It doesn't re- recur much. I think Donnie's. If I remember correctly, it's one of the most hardcore moments in the first season because uh, yeah. he was a member that got kicked out. Oh, okay. And they found out that he hadn't got his ink blacked out. Oh, oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Okay, I have some, yeah, repercussions. So they ended once they found that out. They ended up giving him a choice of fire or knife. Oof! Yikes! Yeah! Yikes! Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Yeah. I think that was Donnie. I think I'll play a game of hide and seek. If you find me, it's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really cool. That's really cool. I've got one other person. That's Elizabeth Hawthorne. She plays the role of Lucy Icos. A few things I've known from her. She was a part of the television movie, The Tommy Knockers. She was in the film The Frighteners. She was also part of The Chronicles of Narnia. And the Chronic. What? The Chronic. Yeah, exactly. The Chronic. What? She was also in Underworld. The Rise of the Lycan. So, yeah, that rounds out our cast and crew. I like that there's a lot of other people, but they're mostly New Zealand and Australian actors and actresses. So unless you're well-versed in that part of the world in cinema. Never mind. That wasn't Donnie. That guy's name is Kyle. I had to look it up. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It ain't me. It ain't Donnie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. Should give our listeners some warnings. There's a bit of gore. More blood. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to say there's not gore. 
There's like beheadings and stuff. No, there's some decent moments. There's a, there's a couple decent moments, but they're not very long lasting. <laughs> and and, yeah, and, and the it, worst I, stuff they do cut away from. I was gonna say, and there's there is a moment, but you're so far invested in it that if you pull out, then I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, you're so far in that like you can because I think I know what you're line. talking about. Yeah, it's like you can literally see the finish line from that moment. You're almost there. So yeah, if you back out there, I mean. I get it, but you're so close. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. We don't yeah, want to give things s- away, right, but like, right, right, but and it's also so quick. It is, but it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Anyway, that is to say, there is yeah. some gore, there is some violence, there are vampires. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be language and all that stuff that comes along with yeah. it, you know. Um, it's dark. Yeah. Yeah, it is very bleak, man. I mean, there's, there's certain sentiments, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Non-traditional, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, outside of that, it's, you know, it's not it's not the most vile thing or anything that no. you're going to see. Nothing like that. I guess with that, let's get to find out how 30 Days at Night made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, I had to look it up because it was bugging me. I was thinking way too early in Sons of Anarchy. Donnie's from the third season. And he's one of the Irish. And honestly, in that show, fuck the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> 30 Days of Night. Now, I had seen this before. I know you had to. Yeah, I have. So this is one. Okay, I've 100% have seen this before. I know that there's been episodes on this show where I've come on and been like, I thought I saw this. Turns out I hadn't. I 100% know that I have sat down and watched this movie before. I did not realize how much of this movie I had fucking forgotten. And I didn't realize how much I actually enjoyed this movie. Nice. I must have been in a bad mood the first time I watched this movie. The only thing I remembered was like, well, I remembered a couple of the trailer moments just because they were burned into memory from the trailers. Like Absolutely. the, no God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. But, um, and like the overall premise, I, I actually did remember like how the ending plays out. But most of the middle, like, I couldn't have told you Mark Boone Jr. was in it. I couldn't have told you Ben Foster was in it. I wouldn't have known who Manu Bennett was at the time, so I definitely couldn't have told you he was in it. But those other two should have stuck out to me. No, I agree with you there, because looking at the credits, like, Ben Foster, when? (laughs) It's like, first scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There he is. At some point in my memory, I had just sort of wrote this off, because I had remembered, like, I didn't remember not liking it. I remember liking it well enough, but thinking it was super average and like not really having any lasting memories and whatever. I watched it some afternoon. And like I said, now looking back, I must've been in a bad fucking mood. I must've been (laughs) half asleep. I don't know what the fuck my problem was. This movie's fucking fantastic. (laughs) No, I've had pretty fun memories of this, excuse me, of this film as well. And it wasn't like I've seen it a bunch. I've only seen it. A few times, like I want to say, honestly, all the way through, maybe like two or three times, right? But the first time I do remember watching, I was like, "Oh, this movie's kind of dark," and I like where people have to like, you know, hide. You're, mm-hmm. These are imminent threats. I like that. Like they're an imposing figure, stuff like that. To me, those are the kind of like the nightmares I have. <laughs> but I like my nightmares because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you know, I get it. It's this is kind of what I want out of. If you're going to drop it in this scenario, this is what I want out of it. This is going to sound like I'm throwing shade towards our previous two entries in this block. That's okay. Even though we did both enjoy them. But I think you're going to know what I'm getting. Like, this movie 
is so much better, it almost doesn't deserve to be in this block. No, I mean, I get it. Don't get me wrong, but it's... It's also so much more... It's so much less action than those previous two, while still being an action horror. I totally agree with that, too. I think it just leans more into the survival side. Size? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whereas, yeah, the other two entries were... You have capable people. You know, Mm -hmm. they knew what the scenario was. They knew what they were getting themselves into, where this is like what the fuck is happening? And when you do figure it out, it's like, okay, we have to survive. And it, it's very much more survival, but I don't think you can take the action away from it. No, no, you exactly. I think I, I think they take them too head on too many times. It's a movie, I mean, we're in the spoiler section. It's a movie where the protagonist wins by punching out the back of the head of the fucking <laughs> enemy vampire. Like, like, all right, I have to admit, I totally forgot that happened. <laughs> Right. And then I had to rewind it because it's like, when did Josh Harden get like a plank or something? And that's like, hold on, no, that was his fucking hand, dude. <laughs> what what just happened? Like I it would be unfair to call this movie not action horror. I agree. But it's, it's just it it leans more into the horror and survival. But in a way where this is maybe one of the best action horror movies we've watched. I can't disagree with you there. I really can't. I mean, like you said, it leans more into horror, which, you know, these are vampires. This is, mm-hmm. you know, because of the survival element, it's leaning once again more into the horror, more so than action. But there is action in it. So you can't discredit that. To the point where it's not not an action movie. Right. That's right, the thing. Right, like, right. there's action in all sorts of movies. Right. But, there, yeah, there's plenty. The pacing is, is good because there's beats to it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's action element to it. I will say, from the get-go, though, I don't think they intended for this. <laughs> but I laughed from the very first fucking second of this movie. Maybe not very first second, but during the opening credit crawl. Because they slapped that mid-2000s blue filter on the fucking Columbia logo. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And I don't think they realized how much of a joke that fucking filter was going to become when they were in the middle of that time period. Oh, no, I don't think they did. That's so funny. And as soon as I popped up, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me (laughs) right now. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I'm like, how is this not the Underworld logo? (laughs) Oh, shit. Luckily, the rest of the movie isn't that bad, though. No, it's not. It's really not. Like, it does make use of, like... (laughs) filters and contrast choices but it's almost so that you can better tell what's going on when everything's supposed to be dark no i agree and it's not like the dark is all lit up it's just like what you're supposed to see is really lit up and what you're not supposed to see is really dark yeah some of the higher contrast that's smart in terms of allowing the audience to see what the fuck is happening Right, without slowing down action. And yeah, and still creating the effect of it's dark. Yeah, it's dark, but you need to see some of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, otherwise it's going to be like, uh, can you imagine this film was filmed like The Witch? Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, you wouldn't be so able to watch bad. it. People would be so bad. You either wouldn't be able to watch it, or it would take like uh, the most super genius set lighter ever to make sure that things were actually being illuminated that when you needed to see them. That's like, yeah, I'm going to have to mess with some of this contrast and filters and shit. Yeah, I know. But thankfully 
but we didn't get that. So, so I will say normally on the show, like I'm the comics guy. I've, I've never read 30 days a night. I haven't either. So I do know a couple of the differences just from having like thumbed through it at like Hastings and shit. Like the couple aren't divorced. They're happily married. (laughs) They're late thirties. Okay. And he's native. I did know that about the character. But from what I read a little bit here, like I said, whether it's it's true or not, it's just what I'm seeing, is that they chose to use the with the Aben Olison because there was a sheriff mm. in Barrow that was... Which also, it's not Barrow anymore, is it? Barrow? No, it's like, a, it has a native name. Ukivik, something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. which is cool. You know, yeah, that's you know, cool. It's just... I'm not entirely sure the pronunciation on its new name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I know how to say Barrow. <laughs> yeah, Bar- Barrow is a lot easier than... Uh, I don't want to fuck it up, and I'm referring specifically to this movie in which it was still Barrow. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to continue to say it, and I don't mean disrespect no, it's to the just, native name. It's just we're talking about this film, specific yeah, town, right. which is this film's version of Barrow. Yes, yeah, so let's say the, the fictional town, yeah. right? Because it's in the film. Yes, Let's just put it that way. But no, I I get that. I get that. Interestingly, right before this movie came out, so I never got to ask him about it, I knew a guy who lived in Barrow for a few oh, years. Oh, shit. That's really cool. So I did get to talk to him some about living in Barrow because it, that's interesting by itself. You know what I mean? Right, of course. And it would have been in the time period where, like, the first trailers were still dropping. So I think I asked about the 30 Days of Night, but I I didn't have any more context from, like, the movie to ask about. Like, does the town actually look like that? You know, it was just like, so that's the 30 Days of Night town, right? Like, that's pretty much as much as I was able to throw at him. It's 67 Days of Night. Yeah. Which, yeah. like, fucks them in this movie even more. Like, they get oh they have gosh. the happy side in this movie, right? Right. They cut that time <laughs> More than in half, a little bit more, not much more, but regardless, like 67 days, like, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. What I remember most, because this, I mean, at this point, this is almost, you know, 15, 16 years ago now that I was talking to this guy about right, it. So I don't sense. remember all the details. What I remember most is him talking about when you're staying there for the winter, having to order a shit ton of food. Yeah. You have to think really ahead of time. And you'd be, you know, getting pallets and, like, tons of food. And it would first show up and you'd be like, this is more food than anyone could ever go through. And then, you know, you get towards the end of winter. Yeah. And you're like, and you're, well. And you're like, well, I went, guess when I went through all of that cheddar, all I have less, left is Swiss for cheese. And, like. Yeah. Wow. But, I mean, that puts things in perspective, though, you know, at least. Because I couldn't imagine 67 days. Yeah. It's just darkness. Yikes. <laughs> Also, just <laughs> I looked this up just to be sure, but I didn't really need to because, like, I know how science works. The 67 days doesn't work like it does in this movie. Oh, you're just like, yeah, no, you, I can imagine you see like some dusk. Yeah, it's it like it's a gradual thing, right? It's not yeah. like one day the sun just doesn't come back up again. No, 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 it doesn't make that, that makes no sense. And so it's more like as you get closer to that time the sun's only hitting like a quarter of the sky yeah. and you basically get like morning, like an hour of midday. Right. No, I know what you're saying. And, and then it's makes, immediately twilight. Yeah. It's just because like you said, this is the way that we're just kind of crusting over that shit. Yeah. It's like, Oh damn, there it is for two hours. So it's 67 days with no light. It's probably more like yeah. half a year with like 
little light. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you really think about it, that'd be kind of depressing. Yeah. Yeah. I Look, I like not a lot of light. And I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I like my moments of like darkness and stuff, too. Don't get me wrong, but oof, not consistently like that, dude. Unless I had just like a super fucking tricked out house. Well, you know. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. There are creature, exceptions. Creature comforts get me a long way. So. Well, I said there are exceptions to the rule. Don't get me wrong either, but it's nice to have some daylight, too. Yeah. Anyway, just had to get those specifics <laughs> about this version of Barrow out of the way. No, that's cool. That's cool. And the fact that we're going to call it Barrow because of this movie. Yeah, because otherwise we've already, you know. I'll try the real name if I'm talking about it in real life. Right, right, right. Because that's completely different. But in the context of this film, we, yeah, we're going to go with Barrow. And plus, I don't know how many more times we're going to say the name of the town anyway. No, but we're going <laughs> to we're going to try to make the most of it, right? I mean, honestly, the time period. I kind of remember there was a little bit of, I don't know if there was a much external pushback, but there was a little bit like of myself where I kind of didn't want to see this movie because I'm like, even though I saw Halloween H2O, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to go see another fucking horror movie starring a Hollywood heartthrob. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially because no, by I, that I point, totally by 2007, Hartnett was blowing up. Yeah, everybody knew who he was. It wasn't like when we caught him back in the day on the faculty, where he was still kind of a nobody. H2O. Definitely, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of, you know, starting to get a little focused. But no, by by now, 2007? By 2007, my college girlfriend's roommate had like five posters of the guy up on her fucking wall. He was a household name. People knew who he was. So like, when this movie dropped, I was like... Okay, Hollywood. I no, I I get that. I get that because you're a few years younger than me. So yeah, I I, I get that from that standpoint. Because 2007, I would have been like 25, going on 26 when this came out. So it was a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't have posters in my room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but fuck, I'm glad we came back to it. Mm. And it's not like I've had something against it all this time either. Like I pointed out, no, but... I don't know. I, I totally get it. Like you said, it's just sometimes films at different time periods just hit you different. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, story-wise, we can talk about Stranger shows up, steals all the satellite phones in town, burns them. Yep. Takes out all the sled dogs, then goes and starts causing a ruckus. But by that point, it almost doesn't matter because the vamps are moving in. Yeah. The very first just moment of the film was like, oh, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I did or not because it's hard to recall. But I definitely this time was like, dude, this is fucking Dracula in Renfield. Right, because he's Renfield. Yeah. And like, they're coming in on. on a boat. Right. It's like that's that should be pretty obvious for those who know. I definitely know now. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's pretty. But you're right. As far as that, he's taken away communication, transportation, and uh, the immediate threat, like the dogs. You know what? On the Dracula note, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I want to throw it out in case any of our listeners are interested because I signed up for this myself this year. There's a, an email subscription list you can get on called Dracula Daily. Oh, cool. And the idea is, if you remember, the novel Dracula is written as a series of journal entries and letters between all the different characters. And they all have dates. So this email list emails you the chapters on the date that they happen. So you can read them gradually through the year on the dates that they happen. 
That's really neat. And so, like, it's already started, but it, it'll go on for, like, five, six months before, like, it ends sometime. I, I can't remember. I think he gets killed in, like, November or something like that. So, like, y'all can go jump in on that. You'll have to get caught up, but then you'll be but getting still. Dracula as it happens. Right, right, right. In Quotes. Real time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really neat concept, too. Yeah. When I've heard about it, I was like, oh, shit, I got it. No, I got to try it out at least. Right. That's, that's keeps me intrigued. It keeps people, you know, like, oh, this is really, it's it kind of interactive, mm-hmm. you know? So given that this is kind of just Dracula. Yeah. Y'all might want to jump on that's that. That's a cool little tie in. Yeah. Segue a little bit. Anyway. No, so like Renfield that. shows up, the stranger. I, <laughs> you're like, okay, man, I get you now. Yeah. Also. Just cast him as Renfield in some upcoming Dracula movie. Because uh, he already fantastic. shows that he fucking kills it. No, he's fantastic. He's also the biggest fucking ham in this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I mean. Danny Houston plays it up a little bit. But not, not like to that. the amount the Foster not does. like that, dude. No way. The voice, mannerisms, all that shit. I don't talk to dead men. Yeah. <laughs> you don't feed me what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit like that. That's like, like he did a good job for that character he was playing. He's a just a fantastic character actor. I agree. Most things that I've seen him in, like he's not always like the standout guy, but you do notice his character acting. Like mm-hmm. he does a good job, man. He, whether he needs to carry a performance or just you know lead a scene or whatever, he does a good job. Dude, that three ten to you, Mari make. Yeah, I, I watched that's it. So fucking good. And he kills yeah. that entire time. I mean, he's up against Russell Crowe and Christian Bale in that movie and holds his own fucking That's acting wise. This dude is good. So he's part of what makes this movie enjoyable to watch. But goddamn, compared to the rest <laughs> of the movie, is he fucking over the top? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, in this case, he does make it memorable. You start getting like the story on the characters. Fucking a little back. Yeah, backstories and shit. Harton and his wife aren't a thing, and she's trying to get out of town, and she doesn't make it. (laughs) Yeah, she gets fucking sideways. Can you imagine getting fucking stuck for thirty days of the night? Are you? I'd kind of be like, are you like, are you fucking kidding me right now, dude? Seriously, (laughs) that's like the worst fucking fight to miss right there, bro. Yeah, no, I feel like my fucking stomach and everything else would drop at that moment. Ugh, ugh. With my ex. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. I wish I could hibernate at that moment. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, oh, shit, Manu Bennett is here. That no, was he part of job. it for me. Yeah, no, when I saw his credits, I was like, oh, I knew you were going to dig that. Dude, he's so good as Crixus. Yeah. Spartacus ended up being such a good show. It nice. shouldn't have been. And if you start watching it, you're like, what is this trash? Because the first, like... Half of the first season tries way too hard to be Zack Snyder's 300. But the season finale of that first season is one of my favorite episodes of TV. Nice, no shit. It is fucking incredible. And it's partially because of how good Crixus is. Nice. Well, good on him, dude. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's good to know. It is, though, disappointing. That, fuck. Man, I'm just going to go out. The most disappointing thing about Spartacus is that it should have given us another action star. Uh, Andy Whitfield should have oh, been a fucking you know guaranteed action star. I did watch, I want to say through this, I knew he had cancer and shouldn't pass mm-hmm. away, and they cast a different guy to play that role. I want to say I watched through the second season, because 
Lucy Lawless was in that one. Yep. She, yeah. So I did watch it. Mm-hmm. I did watch a little bit of it. Yeah. I never finished it though. Yeah. Too bad that dude fucking passed. Yeah. No, he was good. He was really, really good. good. Yeah. That's just unfortunate, dude. Man, those early shots with the vampires getting victims early on. Yeah. So fucking good. <laughs> You're like, they, oh, you had, shit. they nailed it. Cause I know they talked about in interviews going into this that they were kind of basically trying to make them sharks. Yeah. And they nail it. I think so. Cause they're a threat. They're super fast when they need to be and efficient killers. This is possibly the second best shark movie after Jaws. <laughs> yeah. In terms of, yeah, if you're going to use that motif, you know. Because they're really just going from, like, these safe places to safe places. And as long as they're together or in, like, these safe buildings, they're not supposed to be safe, you know what I mean? Right. But, like, the way the movie treats it is they're in that zone, they're good. It's kind of like being up on the raft, right? Yep. But when you when you have to get out to paddle the raft to get over to something else, that's when things get risky. That's yeah. when you see people start to get picked off. Exactly. But, I mean, that's... It's a good formula, you know, to keep you in, invested in the film, keep you wanting to, like, see who's who's going to go, who's going to stay, that kind of shit. It's just that most shark movies, the protagonist doesn't become a shark himself at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I will be the shark. Punch the shark right in the fucking throat. <laughs> but no, I mean. But they're just, like, swooping in. Man. Using their super strength and speed to just swoop up people. I love, because there's a couple of the kills where you don't really see the kill. It cuts away right when you see the vampires step out of the shadows in the background. Yeah. And I you're like, like how they do that stuff. Fuck, that's good. There's one, I do want to bring this up. There's one scene to me where I felt like they probably, A, could have either done without it. Mm-hmm. Or they need to find some people who have a little bit of um, emotional acting towards okay. And this is what I'm getting at. So Josh Hartnett, his character, right after those those sled dogs were found in the kennel, you know, mm-hmm. the owners are out there talking to him. And I'm like, all right, I get, <laughs> I get their actors, right? But I'm like, dude, let's think about this realistically. If you're the owners of those dogs and you see all your fucking dogs slaughter like that, you're not going to be like their demeanor. No, no. There is no way, dude. I'm like, I'm either going to be freaking out <laughs> I'll even I'll even allow for a slight difference between normal pet dog and a work dog, but even then the difference is slight. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what I mean? Come on, like, man, you see, especially those dogs when you're having to work with and them and stuff. handle with them that often. Like, come on now, there's a bond there, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I give the the lady, she was like, I'll kill them. Like, I'll give her that, <laughs> but the dude was just like, come on now. It's like you, that scene was kind of unnecessary. Well, I mean, if we're going to go, if we're going to pick at the acting a little bit in this movie, yeah. then Hartnett's brother also never sells any of the motion he should be showing either. No, I get it. He's always like on the cusp of. He's right there. You know what he's getting at. Right. He's uh, like, just, yeah, go for it, dude. <laughs> Make that plunge. <laughs> You're an actor, fucker. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, but that's the thing. Bad job? No, he gets no, the point across. No, but he, exactly. He's like, uh, but maybe that would. Sp- Early on in his career, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give him that. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, if we're going to nitpick. Yeah, if we're going to nitpick. However, <laughs> this. That's just minute. That's all it is. It was minute. In general, you know, a movie that this reminded me of, 
came out years later, but it's fresher in my mind because of when we've seen it. Yeah. This made as good of use of background, like out of focus information and just like hints toward the audience as it did mm. by hiding Pennywise in so many scenes. Uh, I do like that. I like that because you know it's eminent, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's not that it's like omnipresent, but you know it's there, right? It's closing in. Yeah, exactly. And I like that. I do like that. That that threat, yeah, it's it's more concentrated and yeah, it makes you feel like uh on an edge all the time. Mm-hmm. I like that, dude. But that's kind of what you want in a horror film, man. You if you're gonna, you know, make use of you know, vampires and all this other shit. You got to make them a threat, man. That's the same thing I feel like with demons and supernatural mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, make them a fucking threat. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, we try not to see because we try to choose a higher class of horror movie. But <laughs> we all yeah. know how cheap jump scares work, right? Yeah. Like, things jump out of the darkness. There was no indication that they were there. It just catches you off guard. And that that kind of movement is going to startle you. Whether you're actually scared or not, just by yeah. like uh, well, nervous even, system yeah. response, like, you know, even, automatic response. Even responses. if you're startled, yeah, it's still gotcha. It's effective. This is a movie that shows that like things don't have to attack out of the darkness to be scary. You just have to know that they're they're there, dude. Because there's so many times where they'll show like the bald head of one of the vampires, yeah, but then he doesn't attack. You just see it for a second. He's just stalking. And you're like, oh, this fucking guys, man. That's they're very clever. It's it's tactical in the way that they're hunting their prey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making use of the space that they're closing in on. Sort of just gradually circling, making sure nobody's getting out. Like, yeah, it's like, man, that is that lets you know in terms of the characters that like, they've been doing it for a while, but in terms of the screenplay and writing, it's like. And just the thinking about it. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, yeah, we got to make these characters, like, they've done this. They've been through centuries of doing this from town to town to town to town to town, making it look like an accident, cleaning them out, and <laughs> go on your merry way. You can tell there's so much little thought put into it. Like, and I don't mean, like, little thought, no, no, but, no, like, no, little no, details. Because, like, all the vampires have, like, tribal tattoos. Mm. Like, they're all part of the same clan. Like, it is... It is a tribe of some sort walking around. They don't comment on it. But if you notice, even the little girl, they mentioned the little girl wasn't turned from somebody in town. She's somebody that came with the vampires. And when you're looking during that scene, she's got a big-ass fucking tattoo on her left arm. Did you see or did you read about what that symbol is? I didn't know. (laughs) You're going to laugh. Okay, what is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a band. Oh, no shit. And they're called um, Eisenstrahl Nubaten. I think that's what they're called. She listens to fucking Krautrock? Yeah. (laughs) That's that is what that symbol is. That industrial kraut rock. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that is too funny. That is funny. However, my point still stands. No, 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 exactly. No, no, you're absolutely right. I just when I read that, I was like, oh, that's too funny. Because if you're paying attention, like that all the vampires sense. have tattoos. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And that's really cool because like you were saying, they're a part of a, a tribe, a clan, what have you. Oh, yeah, it's ancestral, probably, and shit like that, too. Mm-hmm. They don't point it out ever in the movie. They're no. not like, that little girl has a big-ass fucking 
But I think you can, you know, infer things or decipher mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of shit. <laughs> I like how the ending isn't sudden and out of nowhere. It's set up multiple times from the halfway point in the movie on that the change takes a while. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you still, you're still you for part of it. Yeah, that's pretty wild, isn't it? But you're absolutely, there's allusions to certain things later on in the film. You could say foreshadowing, but I do like that. They're consistent in their message, I suppose, or like the stuff that people say to each other. You're like, yeah, we're going to see the sunrise tomorrow, the sun comes Mm -hmm. up tomorrow, that kind of shit. You're like, oh, well, yes. But that also means something else in the context of the film. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's, hey, those vampires are getting the fuck out of town, but, <laughs> uh-oh. Was like, you also realize that, you know, at the end, Josh Hartnett, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that means something totally different now. I think, in hindsight, one of the sequences that impressed me most that I'd completely forgotten was, and that I will rank, I don't know, in my top three horror action sequences of all time, would be the initial big attack on the town. That mm. top-down sequence where they're following them, getting wow. to safety, and you're seeing just, like, vampires run in from the side of the screen and just, like, like. fuck up people, just, like, tackle them, and you see blood smears going, yeah. like, a foot. Like, you see oh, some people fighting shit. back and, like, shotguns coming out and shit. Like, Yeah, it's a, like, holy shit moment. It's a very a video game-esque sequence, but in a good way. I totally agree with that, man. There's a number of things in this movie that feel kind of video gamey, but in yeah. a good way. Right, right, without being over the top about it or anything. Yeah, no, I feel I feel you there. I think that's the one that stands out the most, though. I didn't make notes of that. There was a couple other times where I was like, oh, that feels... It's interesting in a sense that you say that, because I was thinking, that watching this film, I was like, man, I'm surprised they haven't made this into a video game. Have they not? I don't think so. I'm not aware that they have. Because that actually kind of surprises me. I mean... So they haven't made this into a game, but like just in the past month, they dropped like Redfall, which is basically Left for Dead, except you're fighting vampires. Okay, well, so <laughs> okay, well, close enough. But yeah, I mean, in in terms of yeah, you know, all that time in between, though, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, but I found that interesting nonetheless. There was a couple things I wish that they would have showed just a little bit more of, and they wouldn't have needed to explain it, but. Even just like a half second of some sort of, honestly, even CGI effect or something. Because like Danny Houston has to put down his vamp chick because she gets UV burned, right? Yeah. By the way, all the vampires have names that are not said in the movie and are just given in the credits. So Marlo has to. (laughs) Yeah, I said that does not help when you're trying to identify people in this film. No. But what's the diff? I mean, obviously, I know the difference is UV. But what's the difference between her getting half fried to a crisp by UV and some of those other vampires getting half fried to a crisp from Bobby Elvis's explosion? Mm. And they're fine, but she isn't. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't I don't need like a scientific explanation, but if you would have given me a half second of them regenerating their wounds, it would fly a little bit better. You know what I mean? I agree with that. Like, <clears throat> give it a little bit more... Like something substantive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as opposed to just like, oh, well, okay, well, movie logic, bro. <laughs> Trust me. Because <laughs> as, yeah. as it is when you're just watching it, they're both burned. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the only difference is the source. And I guess like 
knowing vampires, I guess you're like, okay, I guess this counts more. Yeah. But it's not like fire doesn't take care of vampires. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I get where you're coming from. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, yeah, I wonder what they were, if they were even thinking like in those terms. Mm-hmm. Just like, oopsie daisy. Oh, well, too late. And not the biggest problem. But no, no, no. It's like still you would like a little bit more consistency there, I suppose. But going back to that scene, I also really like that scene for a completely different reason. I feel like in movies in general tend to show heavy machinery as being the most unwieldy, slowest, bulky shit in the entire world. <laughs> yeah. And Bobby Elvis has taken what he's in and just swinging it and fuck around, which is if you've ever <laughs> been like on a construction site. Oh shit, dude, those things move. Those things can move. And like construction sites don't have much room. They're designed to turn on pretty small radiuses, at least pretty small radiuses for the size that they are. Right. Right. I mean, with, yeah, exactly. Within the context of the size of the machine. So that scene didn't look, it looked a little bit choreographed because he shouldn't have been able to swing that around and get a couple of them. Right, but still. But compared to what we usually see out of heavy heavy machinery. Oh, it was like. In movies and especially action movies. It's it's getting toppled, it's getting ransacked. Yeah. And instead he was just like, no, I'm fucking gunning it. I'm whipping it around. Fuck these guys. Like, I know what I got right here. And I was like. (laughs) I know what you got right there too, because I've driven shit close to that. Like it's really cool. Make the most of what you got. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. That was one of those things. It was just like that's just a little bit more realistic, and I don't think people realize that it, like that was actually the more realistic version. Yeah. No, there are some things I like how they set up, like his character. I mean, that's like, oh my god, this huge revelation. But it's just you know, Josh Hartnett gives him that ticket at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. and he explains why he's like yeah i just want him to feel like he's still a part of the community and yeah like he goes out he's like okay i guess it's my turn mm-hmm. you know whereas he, he didn't have to make that choice but that's what i'm saying it's like this film it does that with characters and it's it's pretty consistent with its use of themes and writing devices and shit and it was the citation for the leaking oil for being a safety hazard which which it little things like that whether we catch them now later you know shit like that it's still it's good because they were consistent mm-hmm. let me think i mean like some of the couple different action scenes are pretty fucking cool like we got the beheading the beheading was dope towards the end yeah that was the one i was a little <laughs> in the uh the warning section yeah you know but another one that was actually i thought was pretty good is you hear a shotgun go off and you see, you know, Danny Houston in the living room with his gal. Mm-hmm. And they have that couple and they're antagonizing me at first. And then the dude just gets it. He gets lifted up. You're like, oh, shit. That was wild. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that is intense. If you think about that, that particular moment, like, oh, yeah, there's zero hope. I'm going to fuck with you before you die. <laughs> You're going to watch this. <laughs> yeah, it's messed up. Vamp goes into the grinder. Yeah, that was pretty decent, too. That was decent. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were kind of setting that up earlier, too, with that guy, mm-hmm. you know, when they bump into them at that little, I don't know what you call that. It's not like a factory, but. Yeah, it just <sighs> machine shop of some sort. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Just had that masticating machine. But, but yeah, he's just like, he's fucking ticked off. 
about the shit that's happening. But they're kind of setting that up. They're like, oh, that's probably going to come in use later on. Once again, I'm not faulting the movie for this. I just, I do wish that they would have set up, if they would have had more establishing shots of where some of the things were in town. Mm -hmm. Because when they're talking about getting to some of the different places, I'm like, I don't know if you're going down the block or across town. Right. That makes and that makes too. a big difference. Yeah. It's like, well, we know the place can't be really big, but I still don't know where which, yeah, like you said, which direction they're going in. Yeah. I have no There's a big difference compared next door to down right. the street right, right, when right. all this is going on. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, granted. Like, so those, those are two little things, which is interesting because, like I said, they pay attention to, like, these other, like, very detail-oriented things, but then they leave out shit like that. But a lot of things do. Oh, yeah, granted. Not everything granted. sets the space as well as something like uh, Event Horizon. Uh, I was like, yeah, you'd, you'd really have to be, given all the characters and shit that's happening, yeah, there, there's only so much space for all that stuff. Yeah. I understand it not being in there, but there were some times where it's like, well, we have to get down to the, and I'm like, X, Y, cool. Z. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't know where that is, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were in town, like, I don't know where that's at, bro. <laughs> Or like, yeah, we're going over to this dude's ah, place you know, in his cellar. And I'm like, I, bro, I'm not from here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's a kind of like a neat way of writing if you think about that. It's like if you're doing that, right, as a writer, it's like, no, literally drop yourself in that town like you've never been in. And like somebody's telling you where to go. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> where, bro? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. Fill in the little detail. I don't need but. step-by-step instructions, but <laughs> no, no, no. give me give me something uh, to go on. reference. And, I, and the only reason I bring it up is because you can heighten the tension that way. Yes. Be, yeah, because you either know the distance, you know the threat, maybe the non-threat. It's shit like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Luckily, they ha- did a good job of making it all threat pretty threatening anyway by yeah, making yeah, it like I the know. vampires can kind of come out of anywhere because <laughs> yeah. they just need the dark and everything's dark now. Yeah, it's like, uh, we're fucked. We're fucked. Them setting the trap was kind of fun. Yeah. I I do recall, you know, the reveal, if you will, of the, the little girl who's feeding and all that mm. shit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, well, at least they do do away with her, <laughs> to put it politely. Yeah, yeah, because I, especially in this time period, I feel like it would have been easy to cop out in some way. Like, trap her in, like, the freezer yeah. and lock it, like, padlock no, it shut No, and it, it creates for that younger kid, I can't remember his name in the film, but... Jake? I think you're right, Jake Olison. It's something Josh like Hartness' brother or whatever. No, his his character starts to have, like, this, I don't know, moral quandary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's just a girl. It's like, no, oh, yes, but... Did you just not see what she was doing? <laughs> she had to go, bro. Yeah. Sorry. No. Nope. Yeah, no. I mean, that's like, I don't think you can rehabilitate that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't 100% say that I would be this cold hearted. Like, it's family and like, you've got a connection and shit. But like, with this going on, do you go after the dad with dementia? Oh, oh, no. Like I can't, I can't say that I wouldn't. I yeah, I know what you're saying. It's but at the same time, like from the outside looking in, it's like even if you keep him around, the chance is high that he's going to get you all killed. Uh, I know, it, and that's just it. It's like you know, the Dow was 
in a sense, like the lure. Like, mm-hmm. They don't want to cast him, but he's getting he's casting himself out there in that fucking lake. <laughs> like, no, what are you doing? I almost feel like you try as best you can, but if he gets uh, if he gets out, then he's out. It's on you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, once again, I can't say I wouldn't do the no, same thing. As I, that I guy, know, like but... all jokes aside, this is like uh, I know. And maybe that's what it's it's posing a little bit of too, you know, like interjecting a little bit of those moral dilemmas. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, do you go after your dad? It's like, yeah, normal situations, any other context or frame, you would. But it's you, not every day you got vampires out there waiting to eat your ass. This isn't even like there's wolves out there. No, fuck no. It's like, yeah, wolves can get punched and all that other stuff. This is like. <laughs> Super strong, super fast. Super predator, right? Yeah. It's like, I think I'm going to sit here and cry my eyes out really quietly so they don't kill me. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, I guess that was it for Dad. It's like those two gals in uh, Cannibal Frogs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're doing that shit, but silently. Rock yourself something like, oh, man, that's fucked. Yeah, sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. You had a good run. Yeah, had a good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. If there's anything else that really stands out. I mean, like I said, the biggest yeah. thing that stands out to me is that top down. I love that action sequence. That it's, shit's cool. it is really good. And honestly, you know what that made me think of? I'm like, we got that. We have a vampire. Granted, it's a small town, but we had a vampire clan attacking an entire town. You probably have like, I don't know, thirty deaths during that three minute mm. scene, and they're all dope and like. Bloody, not super gory, but they're but no, bloody, bloody and yeah. violent and cool. And not to poach on our uh, Patreon-only episode too much, <laughs> but, like, why couldn't we have gotten something like that from the new Evil Dead? Ah, uh, dude. Uh, you know, that is so almost on the nail, you know what I mean, in terms of what this film showcased. And it's not anything that's, like, over the top, per se. Like, there, yeah, there's a few moments, like we said, that Duke, I'm like, you know, you see the beheading and a few other shit. You see the guy's head on the stake and all that stuff. That looks really good. That was all good that effect. stuff is good, right? But the point being is, like, man, this film gave you a little bit more, yeah, than fucking Evil Dead that just came out a few weeks ago. Yeah, What's and up this with is 07. What's up with that? The, the sensibilities are even a little bit different. Yes. You can go a little bit further these days. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what the, what, uh, you know, what's also interesting about that. If we're gonna make parallels and all that mm-hmm. stuff, is Sam Raimi was is involved on this, yeah, dude. Yeah, Ghost House is Raimi and Tapert's production house. So I'm like, what is happening here, man? What is going on? So I don't get that. I don't get that. Like I was watching this, well, and I'm like, we have an entire town getting okay. slaughtered, and you couldn't even give me an entire fucking high rise getting slaughtered. Th- this is me being very, very optimistic and hopeful. All right, this film, well, in a sense, this film did get, like, a prequel, but I don't think it was setting up itself up as such. Like, this is a, a prelude or maybe, like, a, a, a segment and a part of a prequel, this film, and then a sequel, which it did get, but I don't think this film was setting itself up for no. that. Whereas Evil that Dead kind of is. That one seemed to be setting it up, yeah. And, like, this is where I'm being super hopeful, mm-hmm. is that they're like, okay, we got a little hokey with the first one. Now we're going to gobsmack you with the second one. That's me being hopeful, but I doubt it. <laughs> Heart and sacrifice. We already talked about it a couple yeah. times. I mean, good on him, but that was like, fuck. I, I, I was like, I totally forgot he gobsmacked Danny Houston like that. 
And we're like, first, how? How? Yeah. It's never, nowhere in the film did it ever set itself up like, he can super punch people like that. <laughs> you know about that? Why do you think he's a sheriff? <laughs> it was pretty dope, though. No, I mean, I, yeah. I think that was that was more or less the whole point. It was like, it looked good. It was showcasing him getting fucked up. Houston, that is. Marlo. And then those vampires like, okay, <laughs> we're good. Well, I think it was that thing, too, where, like, I think it was supposed to be he was still, obviously, he was still human enough to be in control. But I think what it was trying to showcase was, like, he was still human enough to throw out a very specific attack rather than just this feral, like, launching gotcha. all my strength at you that, like, Danny Houston was. What, what I was thinking when you, when you were saying, I was like, Rob Zombie would have been, like, more human than human. <laughs> I went to. But I think that's a solid point, though, what you're making. It's like, yeah, no, definitely. He had more human in him at that. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't all the way what they were. Yeah. Houston was like, cool, I smell the kill. I'm right. going in. Yeah, it was just, like, instinctual. And Hartman was like, nope, punch! <laughs> Fucking punch! <laughs> <laughs> well, you... Yeah, that was good. I will say that it was like good. And then, uh, you know, Stella and he watch the sunrise and he fades away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a little poetic if you want to call it that and all that good stuff. But uh, through and through, I think it's, it's a solid film. It's one when I think about it, and I'm glad I don't watch it all the time, too, because, you know, it's one of those films. Like, you don't want to burn yourself out on films, you know, give it a bad rap. But every now and then, this, this wouldn't be a good one to like, hey, I need a kind of feel that heightened threat of, mm -hmm. you know, what a vampire is and all that other shit. So, yeah, it's fun, man. No, I recommend it, too, for people who like the subgenre, whether it's survival horror, vampires, and or action horror. It fits a little bit of all those bills. Yeah. Oh, I do want to say this before we close out, which I thought was really neat. I mean, anybody can look this up, but I was like, you know what's really unique about this film, too, is like the whole vampire language was oh, created. Yeah. It's completely created. And it said they was uh, helped with a linguistics professor at the University of New Zealand. So good on them for, you know, making the most of an opportunity because I wouldn't have known that. Do you think in this movie that we're supposed to assume that, like, Manu Bennett is browner because he's native? Oh. Because, I mean, he's yeah. indigenous, right, but he's right, not right. Alaskan indigenous. No, 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 you're saying. May, uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he had kind of like the mistreatment in this film, mm -hmm. you know, without, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say without what? Well, he killed his fucking kid and his, I, I, I get why he did it and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But couldn't pull the trigger. Oh, he tried. Got jammed. Damn, Thomas Jane. <laughs> Fuck, you know what? I had something, but it must not have been that important because nah, okay. it's not coming back to me. <laughs> no, I like so once again, I, it was fun to revisit. I'm glad we, you know, got a chance to come come around to it. Yeah, you know, I agree. It's one of those two where it kind of dispels a little bit of the Josh Hartnett. Like, yeah, he can fit the bill as like the heartthrob or the, you know, whatever, that kind of guy, but... He does a good job too as lead. It's like not I wouldn't go to him all the time as you know, like the guy to get you out of it. But he, he does a, a really good job. He can handle the shit, is what I'm getting at. He makes a good 
I mean, just because he's done this role a couple times now, but it's true. He makes a good gunman. Yes, I agree. And I don't think he's shy about it. Yeah. He kind of just fits in that, like, kind of quiet, like... Gunslinger. Gunslinger, like, like eyeing down the room all the time. Somebody, yeah, somebody should make a little bit more use of that out of him. Get him in some fucking westerns and shit. Yeah, he would be... Pretty solid. I mean, we've already kind of... Because, you know, it. all the kids are rushing to see Westerns these days. Ah. <laughs> well, some of us, you know, fogies are... Yeah. <laughs> so, I love for a good mm. Western. Mm-hmm. God, and I already said, Foster for Renfield at some point. Like, come yeah. on, guys. Like, I know he basically already did it in this movie, so maybe he wouldn't even want to take a Renfield role, but, like, come on. Somebody back up a, a fucking truck of cash <sighs> to his house. Like. I know, right, dude? No, he's, he's fucking good, dude. He did a really good job. I, I can't really can't complain about anybody's acting. Like I said, outside of the little minute and minor stuff we nitpicked about, still a fun film. Highly recommend for, once again, those who haven't seen it. You know, for those who are listening, if your friends haven't seen it, tell them, hey, man, this check this it's out. Good. What are you doing? Yeah, it's good. It's a lot of fun. This is the end of this block, it right? It is. So we're about to hit a Patreon. It starts a no, like a, coincidentally, a, a block of Patreon episodes oh that's right because since we did a a whole slasher run back in the day we're starting back in on that so this will be halloween it's the start yeah that's gonna be fun especially having (laughs) recently watched some halloween yes so that gives us even more context and room to talk about that kind of stuff oh that's gonna be interesting i think so we can draw different Things from those films. Okay. I'm lo- I'm looking even more forward to it now. Not that I wasn't before, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, it's Halloween. But Yeah, but I think it gives us an excuse to talk about the others. And then we got to figure out what's coming up after that. Yeah, but we've got time for that. we got time for that. But I think that's our time for this time. Yeah. And for this time, <laughs> I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. Not going to give you all those ats. So, with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.